0: China's treatment of the Uyghur ethnic group in the western province of Xinjiang has brought international condemnation. But how far does that power actually reach? I'm Aaron Young. Let's hope to find out. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. Okay, so for years now, we have seen reports and footage of centers in China housing thousands of Uyghurs, one of China's Muslim ethnic minorities. In these centers, these people are subject to re-education, as the state puts it, to make them more closely aligned with the Han majority population. However, critics of this move say this is far more sinister and where family members are disappeared for any display of disobedience or dissidence. Now, there are reports that even Uyghurs living overseas are being pressured by the government into spying on fellow Uyghurs trying to shed light on the issue. For more, we're joined by David Zhang of China Insider. We have been talking about the Uyghurs for quite some time in China, but now we're paying attention to expats as well.
1: This issue is what uh, many now report as national repression, where they basically h- held hostage back home, one of your family members, and to force you to rethink your decisions of what you do, especially if you're somebody who is very vocal, outspoken, perhaps even attending protests or demonstrations overseas. Uh, what this does is very much put a pressure on using the ideas of loved ones, emotions, using common basic human values to try to force you to uh, bow down to, to the Chinese government to force you to go back and to give up whatever you were fighting for. And I think this, again, obviously the Uyghurs is one of the main targets of this, but it doesn't just end with that, right? Tibetans, Falun Gong practitioners, anybody that's really a dissident from China could fall victims to this uh, goal, uh, this way from the CCP.
0: That's really interesting what you're saying there in terms of people being essentially held ransom and being used against loved ones who perhaps live overseas, trying to, um, you know, make contact. We've seen examples of, of mothers ringing their sons who live abroad saying, I thought I'd never see you again, um, only for the son to know that's probably not my mother or she's under intense control because there's no way for that mother to actually freely call her son.
1: We could think of it like a giant kidnapping scheme, but but instead of dealing with uh, personal or individuals, you're now dealing with a state or an entire government. And we know about the concentration camps they've set up, the prison systems in China. It's very much, uh, it's a game about, do you care more about your families or do you care about what you're fighting for? Uh, It's a play on emotions, like I said, but I think it's also a play on moral and virtue because they know that. Uh, those back home are the ones most loved by the person outside of China. Yet they also know that, uh, that that's something nobody else can replace. So based on that single idea, they're making a bet that this is what they're going to do to stop the outside uh, voices.
0: As we mentioned in the intro, the Uyghur minority story has been one which has been brought to light for quite some time. We've seen the UN get involved. We've seen human rights groups get involved, but not much seems to be changing. Can you give us an understanding of what the Chinese mindset is from a normal person's point of view in China about how they would be feeling about seeing this? No doubt they're probably not hearing
1: about it in China. The CCP has done a great deal to propagandize, uh, to to make the Uyghur population, as well as any faith group or religious group, uh, a, a demonization of it to the point where they grow hatred uh, organically to hate these people, and so anything done to them is not seen as uh, unlawful, is seen as evil. At this you can draw the, the the same comparison to that during the World War II Nazi concentration camps. Uh, there's denial, there's there's censorship. Uh, the the victims, they, they're not really seen as victims by people who have been in China What well, they're seen as are just outcasts or aliens in that sense. And, and when you have that in really when you speak with regular Chinese people, they don't really it doesn't occur in their mind that, that this is another human being that they're talking about. Uh, I'll leave it at that.
0: And it's interesting when we talk about um, some of the expats and what that story is. The BBC has had a story recently uh, about this mother who contacts her son, who's an expat living in London. Um, they don't give him a name uh, or don't let him use his real name. But it's a police officer, a Chinese police officer who's facilitating the call between them. And that police officer is offering him money to essentially set up a, a front company. So no one asks where the money comes from to be able to take protesters for Uyghurs who are protesting in London out to dinner and try to get more information about them to pass them on to the Chinese. I mean, this is an international espionage story, if you will, about how they're trying to create spies in foreign companies by, as you say, kidnapping his mother.
1: There was one case very close to where I live uh, in Flushing, New York, where there's a huge Chinese community. What they would do is Uh, identify those individuals, perhaps in this case, the uh, one individual Uyghur uh, person, and turn them around. In turn, they become the, the person that kind of who you trusted the most within that group to end up ratting you out. Uh, this is very typical. It's been done for a very, very long time. It fits into what the CCP calls is the one of the three magic weapons. It's the united front work, which is to turn somebody within an organization against that organization and in turn destroy the uh, entirety of it from within. Uh, this is going to continue to do unless there is a national response from legislations of, of that particular country.
0: Yeah, they may call it that. We call it transnational repression. Um, and we're using it when it comes to Uyghurs. But um, are the Chinese, have they been accused of doing this in other ways as well, not just with Uyghur expats?
1: Yeah. In fact, uh, one of them, I think, worth pointing out is maybe something called a 610 office people might not be familiar with. Uh, That office was created as an extra legal uh, outside of the law system where they can freely use resources of the state to persecute. That was against the Falun Gong practitioners. But with any other group, they have a state backed system, uh, which you like you said, Aaron, is transnational repression. Uh, It's not just that. It's really about the Chinese government uh, backing against. Uh, whatever they want to do overseas, committing crimes and all of that. You can find traces of the CCP behind it. Uh, And if we don't really hold the CCP accountable, I think there's no other solution to uh, the Uyghur issue.
0: Yeah, but it is interesting in the sense that you have a lot of Uyghurs now living overseas, expats. um, Call them expats. Some might call them um, asylum seekers to get out of the situation there in China, in the the West. Um, But the, the, for example, in Turkey, where there are 50,000 people, the BBC spoke to about 200 Uyghurs and of that group, about 90 percent had actually been called um, by uh, and used these tactics that we were talking about before. That is a huge effort, a huge campaign by the Chinese government in different countries around the world trying to repress the Uyghur story. You'd have to ask, what is the end goal
1: of the Chinese authorities here? It's to stop anybody from telling a different story than the one that comes out from Beijing about the China story. The China story must be wonderful, perfect, and it cannot contain flaws such as human rights persecutions, uh, violations in China. So if you have any single voice, perhaps just one person speaking against it, that cannot be allowed. Absolute. Uh, uniformity in terms of what China is, what China should be, and what China looks like to Western countries, particularly, uh, must, be uni- must be unified. So anything that descends from it is seen as a big threat, uh, despite them just being a single person, uh, a mother, a daughter, a, a man, a child, anybody of any age group. Uh, the, the key is they must not speak ill of the Chinese Communist Party and the government itself.
0: Yeah, which um, I think most governments around the world, most people around the world don't like people speaking badly of them. But with life, with success comes the expectation that they probably will. And you need to move on and find a way to, to deal with it. But the Chinese government doesn't seem willing to move on. Um, and from what we've seen from Xi Jinping, would you describe him and his administration as moving more towards the, um, well, if they're going to speak ill of us, That be it. Or are they still moving towards trying to
1: control that narrative even stronger? It's a very mixed bag of things, because on one hand, uh, he can't really stop it anymore, because I think many governments have woken up over the years uh, of many different groups, you know, lobbying and and truth clarifying, uh, basically. But on the other hand, he has to control it somehow, because I think uh, if things go over to the point where for example, Congress in the United States, uh, actually create legislations, which they have some, that overpower the uh, attempt by the uh, executive branch, so, so the Biden mm. administration, for example, mm. wanting to engage, that could mm. cause problems. So they need to stop mm. it somehow.
0: All right. David Yang, always appreciate your time. China Insider, thank you so much. And we love his work. That's a program for now. For more, you can head to tickingnews.com Aaron Young, hope to see you soon.